Um, hey guys. Go ahead, Lavetta. You can do it. Welcome to. Hey guys, welcome to Notorious Women Podcast. I'm Lavetta. I'm Miriam. And this is Notorious Women, a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women. That's right. That's right. Okay. So my face is this, and I'm going to share this. Okay. So, you know, when you get your period, yes. Yes. <laughs> I said the word period. Listen, do you want, do you listen to um, Dark History? No. It's I've... okay. Look, you have to. It's, <laughs> it's so good. I love her. Okay. So she did an episode and it was an old episode. Cause I'm like new to this podcast. So I like, I'm backtracking, but she did the history of like your period. And okay. Listen, it's very like the fact that we don't celebrate the blood every month is very disrespectful to women. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm starting a new trend. I'm probably going to piss off a lot of my friends, but I'm okay with that. You're okay with it. It's fine. I'm okay with that because listen, the history, it's bleak. Okay. And, but some of it is not bleak. Okay. You have to listen to the, I, I'm not going to go into detail, but every so often they like honored the women for like uh -huh. leading in order to create life. Right. Okay. But like so much, so much of history is like, burn her. She's bleeding, you know? <laughs> and, and I'm like, fuck that. I'm bleeding and I'm tired and I don't feel good. And then, I'm sorry. I'm going to rant for just a quick more minute. I remember someone telling me, I think it was a man probably who was like, do you know that women are not supposed to cramp? And if you like lived life correctly, you wouldn't. Okay. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh -huh, wait, back up. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So yeah. a man uh -huh. mansplained your mm -hmm. period to you. That is, that is what happened. That is what happened. <laughs> and I was so like, and for my whole life until I'm listening to this podcast, I'm thinking maybe I'm like fucking it up a little and needing the Advil. No, no. And like ancient Greek times, there were like things that they used to make them feel better. Okay. Okay. Well, I... You know what? It's so funny you're talking about the period thing because mm -hmm. there's on YouTube is a rabbit hole, but sometimes oh, YouTube yeah. produces some good stuff. There's a couple of videos of men trying out uh, simulated cramps. <gasps> there's like I've a machine. Yes, I <laughs> it know. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but here's my thing. They do it once. How many exactly. times in a lifetime do we cramp? Oh, my God. Hundreds, I, thousands. What's so funny, though, is that so that man who mansplained your mm. period to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He so should, grateful for like, him. These guys put on these things. It's like a, like a little patch or something. Ooh. And they put it on and they can't even get past <laughs> like the second level for like a minute. And we don't even take Advil till the fourth level. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. We're like, eh, I'll walk it off. Eh, it's fine. But it's so funny because you could tell the ones who are like, man, and it's like, sometimes it's like these really young, like athletic guys. And they're like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And they're mm -hmm. like, what? Mm -hmm. They're like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> I highly recommend people check that oh, out. <laughs> I'm going I'm to look that up later. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, but I guess we should get started this yeah, week. I, I believe I am first. Okay. Uh, I never know. This week. Uh, yeah, I, I have to, I have to look it up right before. <laughs> Listen, you are my guide. 
I just, I'm here. I'm just here. And you tell me what to do. And then I do it. It's fine. I, guys, she's being modest, but. Uh, Not. But <laughs> I have to pretend like I'm smart, but I literally look it up like right before we get on. It's very um, convincing. You're very convincing. That's all I'm going to say. Well, thank you. Well, Miriam, you know how this month is Black History Month? Uh, I do know that. The only month of the year that in America that we pretend that black people exist, <laughs> have any history. Uh, it's the shortest fucking month of the year. Uh-huh. Is it? But I digress. I remember, I remember, you know, back when I thought racism was cured, um, <laughs> thinking that I was a joke, that it was the shortest month. But actually... It's probably pretty specifically the shortest month. Fucked up. Why can't we get March? 31 I, days, bitches. Right? Why can't we get March? Couldn't get 31 days. No. Nope. Okay. They're like, 28, mm. you Negroes uh, get <laughs> 21 days. <laughs> 28 <laughs> days, I mean. But. Every four years, you get 29. Calm down. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now. <laughs> okay. It's like. You, what else you want, Negroes? But um, <laughs> okay, so because it's Black History Month and I need to keep my black card because <laughs> I don't know if you know this about me. I love Yacht Rock. I don't know if okay, you know that. Wait, I don't know what you yes. just said. You don't know what Yacht Rock is? No. Yacht Rock is, it's Yacht Rock is, I listened to the uh, Sirius XM station. It's Yacht Rock is cool, smooth cool smooth jazz and r&b from the 70s and 80s and they have a man on there that does oh. this and he's like this is yacht rock radio <laughs> i i, I mean so i feel much. like i feel like when i was a kid and it was like i think i liked it a lot when i was a kid i didn't know it was called yacht rock i think they just recently started calling it yacht rock but like um it's basically like christopher cross um you know, uh, the Pointer Sisters, like, I want a man with this slow hand. Yes. No, like, um, I would listen, I would listen at night. I had like a little radio and yeah. I would listen at night to like music, like calm. And I loved that stuff. Yeah. That's Yacht Rock. I love Yacht Rock, but Yacht Rock, even though there's a lot of black artists obviously in it, um, but that are considered part of Yacht Rock, it's a very, considered a very like white type of music. Uh, yeah, that feels like little me would have loved that. But right? I love it. It's like Hall and Oates. Oh, yes. Give me yeah. some Hall and Oates. Yeah. Uh, or like they'll bring back like old jams, like stuff my parents used to listen to or my grandparents. Um, there's this one guy. I don't even know. What is his name? He's like show and tell or like peaches and herb. Okay. it. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> yeah. I can get it to say Yacht Rock. I love Yacht Rock. It's very it's considered very white. So my black card is always being threatened, Miriam. Uh -huh. I just want you to know that. I'm so sorry. My Even Jewish I'm card a dark is skin. All, listen, my Jewish card is also at risk very consistently. <laughs> so, so I have to always proclaim my blackness, especially mm -hmm. since the month they gave us Negroes for mm -hmm. Black History Month, mm -hmm. February. So here I go. So my <laughs> okay. notorious woman this week is uh, not only she a black woman, but uh, she is a black Canadian woman because, oh. you know. Hello to our our black people throughout hey, the Canada. diaspora. Yeah. Uh -huh. And in the United States, we don't tend to focus on a lot of other people's uh, history. You have to go to college for that we, or be in AP classes. We don't like anybody else, honestly. 
like the world's America, right? The world's America. And, and then everything else is like not America. So like not that interesting. Right. And we don't even know American history. So let's not even no, get started a, on that. Mm, but a very good point. Okay. Uh-huh. But my notorious woman this week is uh, a woman by the name of Viola Desmond. Are you familiar oh. with Viola? I'm not. But you know, I it's love old her school. Name. Her name is Viola. Viola is an old school name. I love uh, it. Viola. It's musical. Yeah, it's a very beautiful name. Uh, my school is old school. Actually, my name is actually old school. Uh, there are a lot more Lavettas in the 1800s than there are now. I mean, I love your name. I mean, my name is Miriam. You want to talk about old school? That is that is old old <laughs> yeah. old school. Yeah, I'm like biblical old school. I'm yeah. a great 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 grandma. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I look good, though. (laughs) That's right. You do. Mm -hmm. So Viola Desmond was born on July 6, 1914 in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Okay. Yeah. She was born to James Albert Davis, a longshoreman, and he later became a barber, and Gwendolyn Irene Davis, the daughter of a white minister, white Canadian minister, and his wife, um, who had moved to... Halifax from New Haven, Connecticut. Oh, wow. Okay. So she is the, um, the granddaughter of a, her grandfather was white and her grandmother was black. So she okay. is, I wonder if they moved up there to escape like miscegenation laws in the oh, United was, States. What? So what year? So she was born, uh, Viola was born in 1914, but she's the granddaughter of right. a mixed race relationship. Yeah, I, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do math. It's not, it's not working, yeah. but I feel like you're onto something that makes yeah. sense to me. It just occurred to me. So, so Viola now growing up, she was one of 10 children and they lived, her family is pretty, they were pretty middle class. So they were doing really well for black folks. Uh, in ten children, damn, this area. I know, right? Um, and her family was highly regarded in the community, so it's a very solidly middle class black family. Um, and yeah, like it's it's great. So now, growing up in the area, there was an absence of professional hair and skincare products for black women. Okay, because it's nineteen twenties, thirties. I mean, um. We're still yeah. dealing with that. So, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit sense. better now. We finally have options in the last like 10 years, but uh, affordable but, like, that options. It took a while, right? Like it took a oh, long time. Like, don't even get me started. Long time. Yeah. Also, like when we color, when we color something like a foundation is nude for who's nude for this foundation. It's oh, very don't specific, even get right? me tan. started. What? Who's tan? Okay. Yeah. But yeah, we actually, as black women, have options like hair care and skincare products, like more than ever, um, depend, you know, for all skin yeah. tones. So it's really great. But around this time, the, that was not the case. So, um, so it was an absence of professional hair and skincare products for black women when she came of age. So she set her sights on addressing this need as she became older. Okay. Um, being of African descent, she was not allowed to train to become a beautician in Halifax. Yes. Uh, in Canada. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it turns out they were racist in Canada also. What? I mean, it's European people. It, Canada was yeah. colonized too. So I think people forget that. All of yeah, no, it's it's North funny. America. Like even, even now people are, oh, I'm going to leave this terrible country and go to Canada. I'm like, well... 
I mean, you can do that. That's well, I hear you. Let's be fair. Canada's still better than the United States. <laughs> but, I mean, yes, yes, true. But it's not. It's not like rainbows and and butterflies. So, um, but the fact that, like, just remember that. So, because she was of African descent, she was not allowed to train to become a beautician. There was no school in Halifax that would take her because she was black. That, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm, okay. That's fine. I'm not fine with that. Go on. So yeah. even though this is her dream that she wants to work hard and pull herself up by her bootstraps, there's no school that will admit you, right? So Wait, so hold on just one moment. You can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I don't understand. I uh, yeah yeah, it's but it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. But so I was told. <laughs> I know. I know. Um. I know. So, but because of this in Halifax, she left when she came of age. Uh, so after a brief short time of teaching in two racially segregated schools for black children, again, oh. yes, this is in Canada. She left Halifax in search of training to become a beautician. So she went to Montreal uh, okay. and then she went to Atlantic City in the States. So that's interesting that yeah. she ended up in the States. Well, yeah, because, you know, I think, you know, a lot of times, I mean, also because we're America, but we, the Canadian, black people in Canada are similar to black people in America in the sense that we are in the minority, like in numbers. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. not like in the Caribbean or even um, the continent, a motherland of Africa, where there's, you know, obviously apartheid, segregation, colonialism, all of that. But black people, the, the system of discrimination is set up differently. Right. So in Africa yeah. and the parts of the Caribbean, black people are the majority in numbers. So they're being ruled by a uh, harshly ruled by a um, a minority population. But in the United States and in Canada, that's flipped. Right. It's also right? fucked up. Yeah. But. So it's so we're just going to go about different. We're going to go about finding our own way in the world in different ways. One is not better than the other. It's just different. So because we are the minority in numbers. Totally messed up. Go on. Yeah. Well, because we're told we're, we're, uh, lower in numbers with a minority in numbers. Yeah. A lot of times you keep running into like, Oh, I want to do this thing, but they won't allow us into school. So what do black people in the United States do after? the civil war we created our own schools we have a whole network called hbcus historically black colleges right. which were founded right after the civil war because white people were like can't come to our school so it's like okay we'll make our own school so listen Zavetta, you you're we're preaching information i did not know i didn't realize it was right after the civil war that they were oh yeah uh, immediately oh that's so that's fantastic so hbcus all this other stuff so that's why madam cj walker is is so extraordinary because in the aftermath and in re after Reconstruction and after that whole like fucked up thing about uh, that codified um, Jim Crow laws, yeah. black people have to find a way. So that's why nowadays people are like, well, why do you have to have Miss Black America? Miss da -da -da -da? It's like because we had to. So you kicked them out of everything. What well, you, you wouldn't even allow them in. Like I Viola's mean... trying to become yes. a hairstylist. 
uh, uh, you know, and she can't even be admitted to any school. So she did go to Montreal, Atlantic City, and then she even ended up at one of Madam C.J. Walker's beauty schools in oh, New York. Really? Okay. Yeah. So she got her training. So upon, upon finishing her training, she returned to Halifax to start her own hair salon. Yes. Probably See, really necessary, too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it was called Vice Studio of Beauty Culture. So she went and got her training and she brought back because she always saw a need to provide for uh, women in her area, the black women in her area. And I'm sure it was very successful. Actually, it was very successful. Um, so now in the early part of the 20th century, with the advent of new hairstyles that demanded special products and maintenance and beauty parlors, right. um, and, and, and in, in, in the area of beauty, especially with black women, cause Madam CJ Walker and others like her, you know, saw a need and they're, uh, you know, they're women of vision. So they create this, these opportunities, but a lot of them, including Viola, it was, it wasn't just enough to create beauty products, but you wanted to create opportunities for other black women to have their own businesses. Yeah. So she basically started a version of what Madam CJ Walker and other women like her in the States were doing in Canada. So not only did she open up her own studio, but she opened up a school. So oh other black God, women could be amazing. trained. Yeah. I'd never yeah. heard of her. Oh, my God. Yeah. And also, just like with the barbershop, everybody f are familiar with the barbershop uh, franchise movies where black men get together and they get to talk and becomes a center of so uh, social life. That's the same thing for black women in the beauty salons. Um, and but also when you're training and then open up your own business, you know, you become it also increases your status in the in the community. Yeah. So yep. in addition to the salon, she opened up the Desmond School of Beauty culture um, so that black women in the Nova Scotia, New Brunswick and Quebec and Quebec areas wouldn't have to travel so far like she did to get proper training. Wow. She's incredible. Yeah. I got to say that, like, if you think about all it takes in those days, especially and and as a woman in general to learn a trade and then open your own business is hard enough. Yeah. On top of which, she had to travel, which was not easy back then. It's not even easy now, frankly, but really hard back then to get her education and then come back and then start her business and then start another business where she trains people. Like, yeah, I, I think it's really extraordinary. And I think that that's lost on a lot of the younger generation, even myself included. You know, when you start doing a lot of, you know, research and learn about history, you know, black people or minorities or, uh, you know, marginalized people in general back then had more, much more, much more of a, a sense of like civic duty to not only help themselves, but help their fellow, fellow, uh, human beings who were also struggling because again, she could have just opened up a salon, but she opened yeah. up a school. Yeah. That would then properly train other black women. And this part of the education was also learning how to open up your own business and provide jobs for other black women in the community. Which she figured out on her own, from what I'm gathering. Well, actually, that was the um, that's what Madam C.J. Walker's beauty schools were. Okay. They were also designed like that. That's so amazing. it's not just to sell the products, but also how do you start your own business? So it's kind of like Mary Kay or like Avon. 
Kind of. Uh, but you could actually have a physical place, though. Yeah. Especially at a time like this, because there were probably no salons, like maybe one. So, like, if you're on the other side of town, then there's another uh, salon. Then there's another. Then there's another. You know, obviously, be, it's, being it's a probably, business owner is I hard. Mean, so, like, Mary Kay and Avon are more MLMs. And I feel like this is more just like a regular business. These are the, and the Madam CJ Walker thing too. I saw a great uh, documentary on it. They're the precursors for the MLMs. Really? Where, yes, like, so they actually, it was like Madam CJ Walker had a, 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 um, oh gosh, she basically had a contemporary who she learned from. So it was kind of like the Avon thing where you would, you would start selling these products. So you would sell the products from this company and then that would allow you to bring in more income for you. But you would have to travel around didn't to she, sell these products. But didn't she also, based on the Octavia Spencer movie that I really enjoyed. Which is, yeah, I did uh-huh. too. The, it, yeah. It's uh, historically questionable from what I've read. Well, yeah, it's it's loosely based on the real yeah. things. And it's they say that. Accurate. It like literally yeah. says, but also thoroughly enjoyable. So go, go enjoy. But um she made her own products too. Yeah. Yes. No? So that's what I mean. So like she made her own products, which would make her rich, but uh, she also opened up beauty schools to not only train other black women in the proper care of like this new hair technique, straightening the hair, uh, but right. also nourishing the hair yes. and using these beauty products. But it also taught them how to start their own businesses. I mean, that's pretty cool. Start that, yeah. So that's what I mean about like the sense of civic duty. Uh, obviously, Viola had the same thing because again, she grew up in an area where there were probably no black salons. So you just have to go to a woman's house. There might yeah. be a be a local lady whose house you can listen. I can't. When I was in college, <laughs> yeah, in upstate New York. Oh my! I we would have to go to a girl's room who would take out a perm box, a relaxer box and put it oh, in our hair for us. Okay. That was because your- there is no place in the area. Cause it was a, a small town that was a black salon. Wow. And that really? wasn't that long ago. Yeah. No, it was not that long ago. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like it was even less of it. And I remember being so frustrated. We couldn't even find like, like you would go to like this, uh, I forget the gross, the, um, I don't know, like Wegmans or I forget the, the drugstore that's up there. Like, but you would go and you couldn't even find like, like, uh, creamer or hair conditioner cream for your wow. hair. It was like, you know, no as black a black woman. Here. And you're right. like, but so, I'm right here trying to give you money. Yeah. Help. So yeah. there was a, so there was always, you would find a girl or to even get your hair braided. You would find a, a girl on campus who was probably doing it to make extra money, and you go to her dorm room. You would come with the, you go and buy the perm, and she would put it in the in your hair for you. So I would imagine that it was like that informal way for Viola when she was growing up. So when she was like, "No, I want," she probably had heard about Madam C.J. Walker, and yeah, and that's why she eventually went to her school in New York City. But not only do you get the prop instruction on how to, you know, take care of the hair, because that was Madam C.J. Walker's thing. It was about how to grow a black woman's hair, how to nourish it so you don't lose your hair because you're not taking care of it. And, the you know, what kinds of products to use. But also along with learning how to do the hair, 
There was the business side of it. How do you open up a business? So that is what Viola was doing when she came back to Halifax. Okay. That that's amazing that she yeah. like learned it, figured it out, and then was able to flip it and teach it. I just yes. as a teacher who sometimes like I teach Pilates, fun fact about me. Um to to be able to create that, that's a lot of work and really hard. I'm very impressed. Yeah, it's a lot of work. And again, that civic minded, you know, duty of like helping other people in the community. So she opened up her business and it's 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 small by today's standards, but she opened up her business in her school. And each year, about 15 other black women graduated from the school, all of whom have been denied admission to white only training schools. Oh, my God, this world. Okay. Yeah. So she also started her own line of beauty products, Vise Beauty Products, and which she marketed and sold herself. Okay. Uh, later, she and her husband, Jack Desmond, uh, who had his own barber business, would combine their businesses that was located on God- Goddington, no, Goddington Street, Goddington Street, G-O-T-T-I-N-G-E-N Street. So they had a place where black people Goddenham. could go. Goddington. 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 I assume Gotten. it's British, British, uh, because I'm British. French. I know. Gotten. Oh, then I'm wrong. Then I'm very wrong. You know, wrong. some people watch one season of, <laughs> of Downton Abbey and they think they're British. You know ah. what, darling? I don't respect that statement because I'm clearly <laughs> British with a very, very authentic British accent from only one part of Britain. <laughs> <clears throat> Brittany. Brittany. Uh, so. Breton. Britain. Britain. I'll yes. stop talking now. Okay, go on. <laughs> so she and her husband, again, so they're doing just as well as her parents were doing, probably even better. Um, and, you know, she's a successful businesswoman. And her husband is a successful businessman. So these are very respectable black people, right? Okay. Well, a racist is going to racist. So now for context in okay. Canada, yeah. though racism was not officially entrenched, entrenched in Canadian society, black people in Canada and certainly in Nova Scotia were aware that an un, that there was an unwritten code that constrained their lives. Mm. Sometimes the limits were difficult to foresee in a way the unofficial character of Canadian racism made it difficult to navigate. So in the good old U.S. of A, where we... Um, we Americanized racism, made it bigger, louder, and put barbecue sauce on it. Um, <laughs> uh, and Canada, because, you know, they're more influenced by the, the, the British and the French, and they're a little bit more um, polite about their racism. They're like, keep calm and racist on, you know. Yes. So, uh, so on November 8th, 1946, so she is what? She was born in 1914. So she is 32. Yeah, yeah 32. Right. So she's about 32. Businesswoman, successful. I'm sure she's dressed very elegantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, to sell her products, she would often go on business trips and, you know, because you would have to go door to door. Like, that's right. what I was saying about, like, uh, the MLMs, basically, like, you know, the traveling salespeople were the original, like, proponents of that like you right. have to travel now we have around the internet but they did not right um so on november 8th 1946 while she was on a business trip to sydney nova scotia to sell her products her car broke down in new glasgow okay. glasgow 
Glasgow, Glasgow, I think that's how you say it. No uh, she was told that she would have to wait a day before the parts to fix it became available. Uh, so that's fine. So to pass the time uh, waiting, she went to see a movie. Now, okay. she is in New Glasgow. She's not in Halifax, but she's still in Nova Scotia. Okay. Um, now, there are no segregation laws on the books for movie theaters in Nova Scotia. Because, again, the the discrimination is different than it is in the in the States, in Canada. Because in Canada, it seems like, from my research... Um, it seems like a lot of um, it was dependent on the area you were, in, you were in, like you would there would be certain specific laws that were said or expressed and there were laws that were not expressed. So it just depends okay. on the area. It's kind of like parking in L.A. Sometimes you can find <laughs> parking and sometimes you can't. Okay, Racism in Canada is like parking, parking. in L.A. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> There were no segregation laws technically on the book for movie theaters in Nova Scotia. And the theater had no signs telling patrons about the policy. Okay. But in practice, the main floor seats were reserved for white patrons. Okay. But she doesn't read minds, I assume. Right. Which is a discriminatory, a discriminatory practice permitted in all of Canadian provinces at the time. But again, there was no sign. Yep. So she thought, okay. So she bought a ticket. And they sold her a ticket that was for the balcony. But again, okay. she just thought, I'm just going to sit wherever, unaware of the segregation. And being she was apparently nearsighted. Or maybe she just wanted to sit on the floor section. Listen, how many times... Okay, we, you lived in New York, right? You'd go yep. see like a Broadway show. You'd get the cheapest ticket. And then at intermission... Like there's 19 seats I can see close up. You just move every time. You just move. You just go. So, so she, the ticket seller followed her into the theater. That's what red the flag fuck? number one. Right? What the fuck? Okay. And told her that she couldn't sit there and asked her to move. So when she asked to move, she realized what was happening. At first she was kind of confused. She's like, what's happening? Oh, Okay. So she's like, well, I want to sit here because there's probably more seats down there. They probably were empty, knowing racist. Right. Um, And so she was like, oh, I'll just pay. Is it a different price? I'll pay more for the main floor if there's like an additional cost. Right. Just because I want to sit here. And she was told that they don't sell those tickets to, quote, you people, end quote. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Huh. If so you then she realized, and you mean aggressively racist and horrible, then then what I said is true. Go on. Yeah. So I would imagine it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm sitting here. This is better, ma'am. You can't sit there. Well, wh- why can't I sit here? You're looking around. Probably empty seats. Right. Uh, right. Well, because you were sold a balcony seat, not a floor seat. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just pay, like whatever. What is it more? Like I'll just buy. I'll just exchange it for a floor right. seat. No, we don't sell tickets to you people. So now you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. I see what's happening. She balked, of course, because, again, she didn't see a sign out front. And she was forcibly removed (gasps) from the theater. What the fuck? They call the cops. Jesus. So she was she was a very small, light skinned woman. Very elegant. Uh, That is important. Because, you know, she's, again, respectable. We think, 
oh, you know, people are like, well, what were they doing? Were they being belligerent? Da da da. Were are they thugs? Are they hoods? Are they ghetto? Da da da. She's a very refined, um, well dressed woman. She's a businesswoman. Obviously, she knows how to speak to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they arrested her. What the fuck? How many times yep. am I going to say what the fuck today? A lot. What the fuck? They arrested her. She spent 12 hours in jail. What? And she had to pay a $26 fine for tax evasion. I'm sorry, yep. what? Because the tax on the balcony price of 30 cents was for two cents. So she, they charged her basically with tax evasion because she paid for a 30 cent seat and the floor seat, but set in the floor seat, which was two cents more. Or actually, no, I'm sorry. The floor mm-hmm. seats were 40 cents. Um, and so they charged her for tax evasion on the tax for the cost of the ticket. I hate so many people right now. Yes. Wow. So the tax on the, the balcony seats was two cents. The tax on the floor seat was three cents. So she was convicted of depriving the government of a one cent tax. The government can suck my dick. That's what the government can do. I said it. I'll say it again. What in the fuck? Yep. She was kept in jail overnight and was never informed about her right to legal advice, a lawyer, or bail. This This, was her. Yeah. She wanted to see a fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of people will say she's like the Rosa Parks of Canada, but this actually feels more like what happened to Ida B. Wells on a train um, because it's the same thing. I think it, if I remember correctly, Ida B. Wells was she didn't want to sit in. Um, she wanted to sit in the women's car. So the women's car was non-smoking yes. and it was for ladies. She's a lady. She sat there and the train conductor came along and was like, no, you have to move to the colored car, which was filled with smoke, all this stuff. It was either a colored car or like a third like class car, even though she had paid for the the admission to the women's and they forcibly pulled her off of the train and it was so humiliating. So I can only imagine to someone like, Viola, who, again, she's known discrimination. She had to go all the way to the States to get. So she's not she's not naive. But you're thinking I'm presenting in a certain way. I offered Mm -hmm. to pay the additional amount. There's no um, there are no signage saying that I can't sit here. So I'm not breaking the law. And I would imagine that when the the theater guy came up to her, he was so nasty on top yeah. of it. Yeah, I'm sure he was not like not kind, you know, yeah. like I'm sure he was one of those people, you know, yeah. like you see them from afar and you think like, Ew, you know, yeah. And treating her like she's like nothing. So uh, so so that happened. So she returned back home uh, to Halifax and she discussed the matter with her husband, Jack, and he told her Jack told her to let it go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, which I think that this is really telling for like black people in general. Like, it's just like, is it really worth you doing anything about it? Like, but like, you know, he's a black man. So he's had his own issues, I'm sure, 
own run-ins with this kind of bullshit. But he was just like, just let it go. Well, You're I'm back sure home. He wants you know. to protect her also to, to yeah. a very large degree, you know. Yeah. And also he had grown up um, in New Glasgow and was not surprised when she uh. told him about it. So he was just like, yeah, yeah. And like many other black Nova Scotians, he had grown accustomed to the racist attitudes. Uh, so he was just like, you know, uh, he said, quote, take it to the Lord with a prayer was his suggestion. End okay. quote. Take it to the Lord in prayer, end quote. Yeah. Um, so but she was just like, I don't know if this is good advice, but I know it's coming from a good place. But, you know, she was just enraged. She probably was hurt, humiliated and yeah. just enraged at yeah. the just like the unfairness of it. So she talked to her church leaders, Minister William Pearlie Oliver and his wife, Perlin, Perlin of Crom Wallace Street Baptist Church. Okay. And they encouraged her to take action. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. And they ahead. said that the church would support her. Uh, so she decided to take the uh, take the fight to charge in court. So she had already been convicted of tax evasion. So she decided to fight it. So this is an appeal. Oh, exactly. She has something pretty specific to be like, actually, yep. no, y'all are racist and assholes. I don't. Yeah. Know and this, this is this is where like the Rosa Parks thing is a little bit more in line, because as we know, like throughout history now, like the Rosa Parks, she had had the same run in with that same bus driver. But like Rosa, like a lot of people felt like it was a strategy for uh, the NAACP and the civil rights um, and the um, Southern Christian Leadership Conference to use this as a case study. So this is where it kind of aligns more uh, along the lines of more of that. So, so her pastor and uh, the first lady uh, hooked her up with the Nova Scotia association for the advancement of colored people. So okay. the, the Canadian, the Nova Scotia Canadian version of the NAACP. I did not um, know they had one. Oh yeah. Black people. I'm good. And the diaspora have been doing it. We've been doing it for ourselves for a long time. So, <laughs> So Desmond and, you know, I, just a side note, I would imagine that she and her husband were like, we're not really political people. We just go along to get along. But you can't hide from this kind of like, you know, indignity, daily dignity. I mean, it reminds me of the Sally Bowles comment in Cabaret, a show I was obsessed with in, you know, 1938 Berlin or something like that. Y'all don't come at me. I don't, it's been a while, but it's something like right before the Nazis like did what they did. Sally Bowles is like, stop talking politics, Cliff. And it, that line always like makes my heart drop because there really is no apolitical stance anymore. And there never has been, there really never has been. Um, But it's scary. I also understand that it's scary. I I understand, too. And you think, well, you know, this is not perfect, but let's just go along and get along. Basically what Jack told her. Right. Um, so her pastor, but she had the support of her church and uh, the NAACP or the NSAACP. And they contacted a white lawyer. His um, his name was Frederick William Bissett, Bissett or Bissett. And he was white and he had represented um, uh, numerous other people. Um, and he, but he knew the, the, the organization knew him as like an ally. Okay. So they hired him to, again, challenge this because again, they were kind of challenging something that's not explicit. So it's almost like they were challenging them to say it out loud. Right. 
Right. So I think these are smart people. So I think they were trying to use it as a test to the Canada's unspoken racial politics and Mm -hmm. discrimination. Good. So, again, despite Nova Scotia and other Canadian provinces having Jim Crow laws, uh, for instance, in education, there was no uh, specifically enforcing segregation in theaters. So it was in education, which is what she had run up against when she was trying to get uh, instruction on, you know, how to become a cosmetologist right. and, that's and why hair. They could do that. Yeah. Right. So while judgments varied from case to case, two competing principles prevailed in Canadian uh, racial politics, freedom of commerce and an individual's right to freedom from discrimination based on race, creed or color. Neither uh, principle took precedence over the other in Canadian law. In addition, no court in the province had ruled on the illegality of racial discrimination in hotels, theaters or restaurants. So basically they were trying to let sleeping dogs lie. They were trying to avoid uh-huh. the subject Yeah. or it could be because it's like, Oh, we're not like those Americans. It could uh-huh. be like, we're better because mm-hmm. the slaves used to uh, flee to come to Canada. We're yeah. better than the, uh, those Americans down there. Listen, Canada, here's what I'll let not Canada now, but Canada and like the forties and before now, listen, you can be better. Like I encourage you to be better, but for you to be better, you have to then be better and you're not, you're just different. So that's what I say to the 1940s Canada. Thank you. And listen, I love Canada. Like, do you watch Murdoch? Obsessed. I'm obsessed. I can't get into Murdoch. I could get into other ones, but I can't get into Murdoch. I'm on season eight. And that's only because I slowed down. Okay. I have a problem. Can't stop. Won't stop. Okay. And we haven't even talked about Adam Green Gables because, but no, you know, I love me some Anna Green Gables now. So That's my jam. Beautiful, I love it so much. Yeah. All right, sorry. I now, love you, Canada, but like I'm, I love America because I live here. But like we're problematic. Let's call it oh, out. Yeah. Okay. Again, like, I mean, it's just kind of like in the States, uh, to be fair, it's, if it sounds like Canada is much more like uh, New York. Like yes. the northern states in the United oh, States, like yes. they didn't have Jim Crow on the books, Mm-mm. but it's the same. Mm-mm. It's the same thing. Listen, you know. I I do because every time Sal and I would go upstate on like a little weekend retreat, and I told you racists love us, and so they'd be like, "Well, you're not the you know," and I'd be like, "Wow, okay, let me educate again. It's exhausting," and it was like literally every time we went upstate. Yeah. So not yeah. even upstate, like, you know, a lot of black people were in were thinking, you know, they would move to the north thinking it's better. And it was because it wasn't so blatant, but it's still racist. Right. Um, and then in Canada, again, culturally, they're more polite. So yeah. it's a little it's so it's harder also to fight when it's this polite. Right. It's so, true. It's actually really that's actually really true because yeah. you feel like you can get through your day to day not so stressed, but you can't because there's that undercurrent that does not go away. Yeah. And the, the, honestly, the gaslighting is much, it's much more insidious because it's harder to um, get a handle on it. Right. So Viola and her lawyer knew that they couldn't just come out and say it. It was discrimination because they're like, well, there's nothing on the books. Right. Right. Um, Also, they don't want to risk alienating the judge who was probably white. And so white fragility comes into play here. Yeah. Right. They cry so easily. I mean, so, we, it's me too. I get it. But 
So they also you want to win. So you come up with a winning strategy. So given the legal ambiguity of the situation, the lawyer chose not to take on the violation of her rights nor her basic civil rights, um, nor the right to a fair trial with competent legal representation. He instead argued to dispute the charge of tax evasion. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like there's there's that the part of me that's like, no, get him where, you know. Yeah. You know, because he also figured like since the theater would only agree to sell her a cheaper balcony ticket, uh, even though she had insisted on sitting on the main floor and even offered to pay for that seat. She was only one cent short of the tax. So he tried to appeal the decision based on the basis of her being wrongfully accused of tax evasion, not on the basis of racial discrimination. It seems to me that in history, tax evasion is a great way to get people. Yeah. All I'm saying. I'm just thinking about the mafia and things like that. I don't have like any actual information about that, but I seem to recall that's how you get them where it hurts. Like, actually, she was not. In this case, she was not evading your tax. Okay. No. But unfortunately, this strategy proved wrong. Um, So the appeal never made it to a second trial and was dismissed by the judge because the judge, the judge is no fool. He probably figured out what he was trying to do. He like, I mean, yeah, yeah, but like if I were the judge, I would be like, y'all are bastards. But like, obviously, I'm not going to be like a white man judge in the 40s in Canada. So no one was asking me my opinion at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And what's also interesting to note that during the proceedings, the issue of race never came up. They were all talking around it. It's the big Um, elephant in the room. Uh, Still, it was clear to everyone involved that her real offense, Viola's real offense, was that she had violated the implicit rule that black persons were to sit in the balcony seats segregated from the white persons on the main floor. That was her real offense. And we all know it. Yeah. So after the trial and appeals, her lawyer, uh, Bissett, refused to bill her, of course, and the money was used to support Will, William Pearly Oliver's uh, newly established the association, Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia Association for the Advancement of Colored People. So they knew it was a wash, but they tried. Uh, now, after the trial and the encounter with the legal system in Nova Scotia, her marriage to Jack ended. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I think Viola, Jack really did not want to go to trial is my guess. I don't know. I'm not them. Well, I think, you know, it could be that he thought he was marrying someone similar to him who was more focused on, you know, empowering their people through financial means. And unfortunately, with her experience, she realized that that was not enough, that you have to also tackle the social issues. You have to tackle yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and by all accounts, this devastated her. Oh, because uh, I would imagine that she felt like maybe he didn't support her. And then he was just like, why don't you get over it? I don't know if that's what he said, but I would imagine it's something like that. But she was described later on uh, and she described it herself as feeling, quote, bitterly disappointed, end quote. That's so it's such it's so hard for to overcome, not just not just the moment, right? The day where that happened to her, which will scar her forever at the movie theater. But then to go through that trial, to have to sort of relive it, you know, fighting for her rights and every, you know, her people's rights. Well, she was told that she didn't matter her feelings about it, that it didn't matter. It's not about 
putting on the right clothes, having the right education, having the right house, having the right type of car, because at the at the core of it is rotten. Right. At the core of it, it's it's you're never going to be good enough. Yeah. So she was distraught and permanently changed. She would then go on to close her business. Oh, and move to Montreal where she would enroll in business school, business college. Um, She eventually settled in New York City, where she died on February 7th, 1965, at the tender age of 50. What? What? So this happened when she was, what, 32? 32-ish, yeah. Yeah, so just about 18 years later, she was buried at Camp Hill Cemetery in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Okay, so they, they took her home. Yeah. And it just, you know, when I read that, I was so sad because, you know, unlike Ida B. Wells, like, like I said, Ida B. Wells had the same kind of experience. Yeah. But she got angry and she used that anger to then become one of the most prolific and powerful uh, reporters on uh, black life. Uh, She's like single handedly reported. Um, the most comprehensive, the first and most comprehensive uh, reporting on black on lynching of black people in the United States. And so it, it like like put a fire under Ida B. Wells. But again, Ida B. Wells is a different kind of person. She's a different yeah. kind of experience. Um, and but I just I was so sad for Viola because I feel like there's like millions of untold stories of black people who had a similar life experience where they thought, okay, if I just present the right way, if I follow all the rules, I will be protected and I will flourish and I'll have a prosperous life. Uh, And if I just ignore what's going on, if I just ignore the discrimination, keep my head down, it'll all work out. And the one moment she just said something like something that's so insignificant about sitting and watching a movie, she yeah. had given them her money and they treat her like she's like nothing, a vagabond. Like, you know, I mean, you shouldn't treat vagabonds like that. That's a whole time it were vagabond. <laughs> right. But like, Actually, those are people, too. Yeah. But we, we tend to think like, oh, if you it's just like I'm thinking, obviously, of today of like police brutality or yeah. like racist racist incidents that happens throughout uh, to black people throughout the world, throughout the diaspora. If you just do everything, quote unquote, right, you'll be safe. And it's it's a false narrative. It's, it's a false not narrative. True. And it's really, really important that 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 word gets out, because I do think like as a white person, like white people, PSA, y'all, um, it doesn't work. Like I hear I, you know, kind of hear it like, well, you should do this and you should do that. It doesn't matter. It yeah. really doesn't. And we need to we need to own that so that we can dig deeper and do better, like as a whole society. Yeah. So, I mean, thank God, though, that afterwards she she lived this life. And, and that's why it's important to go on with your life and live as bravely as you can day to day, even after something this uh, something like this happens, because yeah. she does have a legacy. So the legacy of the case in Canada, William Pearlie Oliver, who headed the uh, Nova Scotia and uh, uh, advancement, the, the NSAACP, <laughs> 
He says of her legacy, quote, this meant something to our people that she would even attempt this. Neither before or since has there been such an aggressive effort to obtain rights. The people arose as one and with one voice. This positive stand enhanced the prestige of the Negro community throughout the province. It is my conviction that much of the positive action that has since taken place stemmed from this. So he feels like basically, um, and he's saying this 15 years after the incident, he's saying that it basically opened up the floodgates for other people to be, you know, to take a similar stance and stand up and not just go along to get along. You know, Um, she's a hero. She really is. Like, In a lot of ways. Absolutely. Absolutely a hero. Like she took that hit. She definitely took the hit for others to then come behind her and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, Like, and like I said earlier, a lot of people compare her to Rosa Parks, but I actually feel like she's more like what happened to Ida B. Wells on an experience she had on a train in 1884. Um, And so, because also it it reminds me of like, you know, like Viola's going to a public thing, like a theater Ida B. Wells had this issue on a public transportation right. uh, on yeah. a train. So where it's just, and, and what I like about like what made her so brave, she probably didn't die feeling brave, but she was extremely yeah. brave because she's like, this is ridiculous. I just gave you my money. There's, I just want to sit here, mind my own business and watch a film. And you it, assholes yeah. have, they escalated it. They brought in the manager the theater man. And then they brought in the cops to pull her out. Like she's like a criminal when she literally was, she bought a ticket and then they, they charged her. It, it just, it, yeah, I could just imagine they kept like her how in a jail overnight, this woman, this tiny this. woman yep. who did literally nothing wrong, kept her like these motherfuckers, like who raised them is what I would like to know because Total fail. Total well, it's a, fail. Also, it's a system that's designed to preserve itself. So, yeah, I don't care. You know, it's like, um, yeah, it's like the, it's like the Borg. Uh, Star Trek is coming back, oh. baby, Picard. <laughs> uh, the Borg is so like extraordinary because you. yeah, it's like the individual is not important. It's the collective, right? So it's yeah. collective uh, discrimination. It's just collective white supremacy. And they have to preserve it at all costs. So however, whatever mental gymnastics you have to do to ensure that that survives, that's what you will do. Uh, But thank God, again, this happened to her. And like I said, she passed away in 1965. She died died so young. Yeah. Yeah. Probably heartbroken. But she but thank God, again, she took that bullet so others behind her could come and break through. Uh, even more. Uh, now, decades after her death, her story began to receive public attention primarily through the efforts of her sister, Wanda Robson. Oh, okay. Um, in 2003, Robson, at the age of 73, enrolled in a course on race relations uh, in North America at the university, at University College of Cape Breton, later called Cape Breton University, taught by Graham Reynolds. During the okay. course, Uh, Professor Reynolds related the experience of Viola Desmond, prompting Robson, who's her sister, to speak out. Yes. So they're probably like, what? You're her (laughs) sister? Yeah, right. So with the help of of Reynolds, um, 
Wanda began a prolonged effort to tell her sister's story and give it more widespread uh, uh, notoriety and uh, exposure, including the publication of a book that Wanda Robson wrote about her family and her sister's experience called Sister to Courage that was published in 2010. I know. Now, Kate, uh, the university established a scholarship campaign in the name of Viola Desmond and her sister Wanda and named a chair in social uh, justice after Desmond. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Also in 2010, Mayan E. Francis, Lieutenant Governor of Nova Scotia, unveiled a portrait of Viola Desmond, which is on permanent display in the ballroom at at the government house of Nova Scotia. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Apologize. Yep. You can start there. Good. Also that year, um, uh, May and Francis as well invoked the royal prerogative and granted Viola Desmond a posthumous free pardon. Excellent. It was I mean, the first to be granted it, in Canada. It, it took too long. It yeah, took but, too long. But they did it. They Go did Canada. it. Um, it's, uh, it's usually... It's usually it's also a very rare thing. Um, and it's usually based on innocence and recognition that was like, again, because she was she shouldn't have been convicted. So it was a conviction of error. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, now, Frances herself, who is a black Canadian, remarked, quote, here I am 64 years later, a black woman giving freedom to another black woman, end quote. About her signing of the pardon. Now, in 2012, Viola Desmond was portrayed on a commem- uh, on a commemorative stamp issued by Canada Post. Awesome. In 2016, she was chosen as the first Canadian woman to appear on the Canadian ten dollar note. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. In 2018, she, uh, on Canada's Walk of Fame, her star was unveiled at the Halifax Ferry Terminal. Oh, that's awesome. And last year, in 2022, the Toronto International Film Festival announced that the largest screening room at the Tiff Bell Lighthouse will be named the Viola Desmond Theatre in uh, this year, in 2023. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. Like, that's right. That's yep. right. Let's go to the movie theater and fix it there. Good job. Yep. So, and of course, be- since 2010, where a lot of this took up steam, uh, she's been given a lot, uh, like too many more, you know, honors uh, have been bestowed in her Got memory. It. We can Google. So that. again, she, so that's Viola Desmond. Uh, she's amazing. She, she was, a, I mean, an amazing, amazing woman. And I'm just so glad that, this is obviously we're just scratching the surface here. And oh, and so yeah. my sources for this were Wikipedia, of course, uh, Britannica, humanrights.ca. So it's a Canadian website, humanrights.ca and multiple videos because they've done um, obviously uh, like short videos uh, that I found on YouTube that are from like PBS, like oh, BBC. Uh, because again, since 2010, because her sister was tireless along with this professor, they really got the word out about her, her legacy. And and that's like, that's your big point that I, that there's gotta be, and I know there is so many more stories like this Yep. that we just don't know because we don't, 
we're not good at teaching those moments to children. And this is also what they're trying to do in the States. Like, that's why when DeSantis is like, mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, AP mm-hmm. history, black history doesn't have any value, da, da, da. You know, people would say Viola, you know, racists would say Viola Desmond's story has no value. Of course it has value. She's, she's a Canadian citizen. She's a Canadian I mean- hero. And the Canadian children should know about her and uh, American children should know about her. British children should know about her. We should all know about her. Well, that's the thing that gets me about that whole thing that makes me want to pull my hair out and die is that the reality is we've just not been teaching actual history. Like we've been teaching one two hundredths of history. It's not like I'm not saying we were teaching lies specifically, but maybe lies of omission. Oh, yeah. So maybe it's, maybe we are teaching lies because, you know, like my it's definitely kid, lies my of God, omission. Listen, yeah. listen, right now we're recording. It's a brown president's day. And I cannot tell you how many years do I have to sit my children down and say no president was perfect. And George Washington had slaves. So, like, we are not deifying the man. Yes, we won the war. Britain was bad. But like. And also, we, you know what? Two things to can be true. Deifying. Two yes. things can be true. And I think, unfortunately, these people are just like, and I hate this thing when they use children, white children as, as an excuse. They're like, well, we don't want white children to feel bad. The white, first of all, kids yeah. are way smarter than adults. Yeah, they are. But they'll just be like, oh, that was just wrong. That was mean. Yeah. They don't, they're not yeah. like that was me. They were like, oh, those people were mean. White Let's children are very clear. Listen, I remember my kids went to a school like when they were like around five um, that was very, very, they did the best they could to like, uh, include, be very inclusive and, and be as honest as they could within, within what they are given to teach. And when they taught, they did teach about slavery. That was, and we got an email from their teacher saying, Hey, we are going to teach this now, not asking parents, telling parents we're teaching this. It always breaks our heart because we take away some innocence, but it's also really important to delicately share that, you know, and they did it in such a beautiful way. My kids are fine. My kids did not feel like they did anything wrong. They are exactly because kids kids are kids. No, they're not afraid that white kids are going to feel bad. They're afraid that white kids will stop doing it. They're afraid that the white kids will grow up and become white adults who are like, racism's bad (laughs) that's what they're afraid of i think the term is nail on the head i think you hit the nail on the head there is no like white children do not feel bad about i have two white children they these children grow up and they're like oh that's wrong that's what they're afraid of yep and when because kids are smart they're like that's not me yeah that's and let's not do that anymore exactly (laughs) like that was bad that was wrong we're yeah. gonna be better. End of yeah. story. Let's go play a game. I'm five. Yeah. I've moved on, but you you still race. So yeah, this whole mess about all oh, the white kids are gonna feel bad. That's not that's not true. That's a farce. So I um but that is Viola Desmond. She is um, amazing. A you know, a a black woman, a Canadian black woman who is uh, going to help me keep my black card this uh, month because uh, I like Yacht Rock and uh, I feel like I've, I've, I've uh, <laughs> yeah. even things out, you know, so I okay. can get my jam to uh, um, Christopher Cross and, okay. and not feel guilty. As, well, you I know, mean, okay. I've, I mean, good know. luck with that. 
Awesome. All right, darling. Who's your notorious woman this week so for my us? My notorious woman this week is a woman. Now, okay, she is amazing. She is Chinese. And so when I butcher names, I apologize. <laughs> okay. I am not trying to butcher names, but I am not very good at this. So, you know, best I can. Um, okay. So just to share, I, I got my information from both World History Encyclopedia and also Wikipedia and some guesses. So, you know, <laughs> if you know more than me, like you share not with guesses. me. <laughs> Hashtag not historians. Hashtag not the guesses. Not historians. Um, her name is Zhen Yi Sao. Zhen Yi Sao. Okay. Yes. Um, she was born in 1775 in Zhenwei, um, Guangdong. Listen, okay, I, I, I said that wrong. I'm just going to assume I said that wrong. Yeah, you probably um, said it wrong, but I don't know how to say it right, so I'm, I'm going <laughs> to shut up now. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So we don't know anything about her childhood. She was born in 1775. Uh, it is surmised that when she was a teenager, she worked as a prostitute, uh, probably on a floating brothel in the region she was born. I'm not saying it again. Um, it was... Uh, so in we know that in 1801 she married Zheng Yi. So in Chinese, it her name is Zheng Yi Sao. I think it's uh, switched. So the last name comes first, and the first name comes last. Okay. So um, switch from like what the way we do it in the, the order. States. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so she married Zheng Yi at 16, who was he was the leader of a large pirate confederation. Um, okay. Okay. Well. And uh, this part, Confederation, caused terror in the South China Sea. Okay. So here's here's how it worked. I'm gonna I'm gonna do backstory. Her husband Zhang, the the guy she just married, right, uh, had built up this force to around 600 ships and up to 40,000 men. They were divided into Damn. six divisions. I know, right? That's a lot of people to organize back wow. then. Wow. Right? Um, and they each led, so the six divisions were each led by an independent commander, uh, and they they operated sort of under him in an agreed area, right? Like, you get that beach, and you get that beach, and then you go all the way over there and get, get that other beach, right? Um, so they were identified by their specific colored flag. So Zheng Yi commanded the largest one, which was the 200-ship Red Flag Fleet. Um, they attacked ships from Hong Kong to Vietnam, uh, including foreign ships and large merchant vessels carrying goods to and from China and Malaysia. Wait they a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Back up. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. So you said they had different colors. So this is, yeah. these are gangs. These are, these are bloods and the crips. Uh, <laughs> this is a feudal bloods and the I crips. Mean, I mean, I think the answer to your question is yes. But they came together 100%. with an alliance. Right. Like, yes. okay, okay. It was like, just... He was like head gang member or head like leader. I don't know how these things work. I've seen West Side Story. That's all I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, this he's is like, gangsta. Okay. It's like Riff. I don't I know. I mean, they were okay. pirates, so there's that. 
I mean, right? I mean, ga- like literally. Um, they captured gold and silver and rolls of silks and spices and Chinese porcelain and tea and cotton. Okay. But that's not interesting. What is interesting is that Zheng Yi, her husband, uh, was killed in November of 1807. So they were married for about six years. Uh, it says either in action or in a typhoon. I don't know. Oh. I mean, well, I it's, it's What did you say, 1700s? 18, 1807. 1807, yeah. So it's probably so, hard to. Yeah. Probably both. Accurate. Maybe, maybe both. So um, she's 22 when he dies. Yeah. So she is. Yeah. She's done more in her life by 22 than I have, than I will ever do. Um, and yeah, I'm, both, I'm actually, sister. I'm actually kind of okay with that. Um, I get, I get seasick <laughs> anyways. Um, oh, hey, hey, I am yeah. such a black stereotype. Uh, I can swim, but I do not. Maybe it's my African blood. My mm. ancestors mm. are traumatized for that Atlantic trip. Okay. But, uh, Cruise? Hell no. I do not want to be in the middle of the damn ocean. Listen. I would not my, have been on the Titanic. Nope. Nope. My, my black white, ass would not have been my on it. White, white, Midwestern white. male husband fully agrees with you. So yeah. it could be lots of things. Anyways, he told me before we got married, he's like, we're never going on a cruise. Like, if this pro- if this is a problem, we can't get married. Like this was because I just feel like <laughs> you don't know what's in the ocean. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I it have, covers most yeah. of the world. That's what Sal says. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and waves that are like no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just asking. I feel like you just asking for it if you're on a cruise. I, I just, you know. <laughs> Listen, just, when, co- when COVID first hit and those people were on a cruise and they had couldn't, Sal looked at me like I told you. I've been right the whole time. Nope. I'm not really, uh, listen, I'm not really fighting him. I'm like, we can vacation in all kinds of ways. That's fine. But I do love the beach and I do love swimming in the ocean. The beach is different, especially if it's like turquoise colored water. If it's right. clear, a white sandy beach. You know, I've been to Bermuda, Hawaii. I can hang with that, right? But not in the Atlantic fucking ocean. In well. the Indian ocean, the black sea. <laughs> no, I'm not doing none of that. None of that. So I guess, I guess. <laughs> On a ship? <laughs> no no okay so your future as a pirate is no more is no that... more okay no more. so i'll cross that almost... off the list okay this is good yeah. to know it's for the birds the yeah <laughs> we took a we took a boat to the channel islands last summer and uh i was like excited for adventure and then i like last minute went oh shit i should probably buy a pill because i was like I'm probably not okay. I am my mother's daughter. And I was correct. I needed that. <laughs> my kid was yeah, like, I, no, not I, okay I will, also. <laughs> I like, I will okay. tell you, like, the idea of laying naked somewhere with on a yacht in the Mediterranean where it's yeah. like sunny and sexy men's rubbing my feet. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Like, mm-hmm. in, in my mind's eye. But the Same. reality of it, because once I get on there and it's just something about looking down in that water and I'm like, what is down there that freaks me out? Like, I'm just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But I guess, listen, she probably was captured by her husband. Yeah. She you know, much of a choice, this was so. not a love story. I'm going to venture no. to say, you yeah. know, um, but me in the Mediterranean, I'll just jump in. But that's me. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that I'm 
that I have a problem. Um, <laughs> What's in there? I'll let you know. Okay. What's so funny, because like I love it, but every time I've gone snorkeling, like Sal can actually snorkel for like double the time I can because that salt like gets to me and then I want to throw up. Like my genetic ability to do all these ocean things is not strong, but my willingness is is very strong. So, yeah, I mean, snorkeling is different. I feel like because you're in like pretty clear water and like, but that thing where they get in uh, the cage and the shark, I ain't doing that. Nope. Okay, that I agree with. No, nope. I do. I agree. Because <laughs> if the shark eats you, that's your fault. That's on you. <laughs> I mean, the shark just doing what the shark does. Like yeah, you don't want to talk true. about. Oh, <laughs> let me touch the shark. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> nope. That's on you, player. That's on you. I'm just. Right. <laughs> I think you've okay. successfully convinced me to officially never swim with sharks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hell no. No. (laughs) (laughs) What is this? Unless you're training to be a Navy SEAL or something. What? Nope. Nope. Uh, So I'm sorry. Back to your story. No, that's (laughs) some bullshit. (laughs) That's what we like to call black people. Like call that's white people shit. But even the white people I know are like, no, that's some crazy people shit. That's like crazy white people shit. And it is white people shit for sure. That's like Florida man shit. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's Florida white people shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I always wanted to swim with dolphins. Yeah, that seems kind of cool. But again, I, I'd have to like double check that the dolphins are like super good with it. You know, the only thing that like, that wouldn't be so bad because I heard go- uh, uh, dolphins are gangster. Like they will kill a shark. Like they are gangster. Oh. They look cute, but they are gangster. Like they travel in a pack and they don't be fucking around. So, <laughs> well, I've swum in La Jolla, you know, in, in San Diego where the. Oh, yeah. The, dolphins are is they're actually not dolphins there's something else oh my god what is i don't remember they're like (laughs) no and i like jump in the water and sal's like i'm not you're crazy and i'm like swimming with them and he's like they're just peeing on you right now and i was like i know it's fine (laughs) (laughs) i'm like dunking my head under i'm like this is amazing and he's like "Mm -mm, i'm not touching you till you showered (laughs) the dolphins are laughing dumb humans We're just peeing on them. <laughs> yeah. Dumb human right here. Mm-hmm. I'd probably do it again. Yeah, I would. Oh, God. Okay. So, husband is dead. The other five pirate captains had to decide on a successor, and they chose her. So, Zheng Yisou oh. is now head of this huge fleet. So, it actually wasn't uncommon so I should say it was common. That's clearer, I think, for Chinese women to be mariners or captains or involved in piracy. Um, so it wasn't like that out of the blue, I suppose. But I mean, she was 22. She was probably captured to be married to the guy. Um, and she was probably like badass is my guess. She had to be badass for the men to be like, yeah, let the woman do it. OK. Um, <laughs> right. And they were they all it seemed like they all just agreed it was fine. They're like, yeah, yeah that's that's fine. Um, so according to th- there was like a little there's a little discrepancy between world history encyclopedia and Wikipedia. Um and I'll just share. Okay. So it this they said she had one serious rival or ally, depending on things how things panned out. So Chang Pao, um, 
was a captain of one of the red flag ships. Remember the red flag had like 200 ships. Um, and he had been a protege of Zhang Yi, of, of her now dead husband. Um, and then it's also says that the two men had been lovers, which was not unusual. Um, <clears throat> like between an, a junior and senior Chinese hey, pirate. Okay. Get your freak on. Do what you gotta do. As long as you're honest with all the people you are getting your freak on with, I don't care what hey. you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he became Zhang Yi Sao's lover. So was it a thruple? No, I'm just I mean, kidding. Right? I'm pretty sure you know. Hi, everybody getting your okay, freak out. Let's Hi. do it. Let's do this now. Okay. Um, and then he was promoted to red flag fleet to lead the red flag fleet, and he became her second in command. Okay, but okay. Other sources, two other sources, oh man, I don't remember the other um, said that Cheng Pao was an adopted son of her first husband having first been kidnapped uh, when he was 15, which would also make her his stepmom. Okay. Right. So listen, listen, different sources say different things. My guess is that he was, um, that he was kidnapped. They did that back in the day and you were a pirate. Um, And that legally they did, they probably did an adoption so that he had a connection so that if anything happened, he could take over. There would be like a lineage. That's okay, my guess. That's what you're saying. That is my I guess. I mean, I would imagine also that um, that it's, you know, this becomes your found family right. and not the blood family. Like, and also yeah. um, it could have been a little bit of both. Like, I think this, first of all, this would be a great soap opera on the right? ship. You're Where is like, this movie? Come oh on. God. I'm sure they've made it in China somewhere, like oh, a version yeah. of this. But like, um, but it's hard to tell because you never know because it's so old and it's, you know, we're in the West. Uh, how accurate. Uh, I'm sure Chinese sources are more accurate. Uh, but yeah. then again, you never know how much of it is like just romantic because I have a feeling like the pirates, pirates didn't look like Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. Wait, they, what? They didn't what? I'm sorry, no, I, what? I have a feeling that the they Venice. looked more like, 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 oh God. like Tom Cruise or, or Brad Pitt. So many options. No, no. Idris? I have, huh? Okay. I, Okay. No, I feel like they probably look more like, I think, was it the fourth, the third and the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean when they actually went to Singapore? And like, and then you start to see uh, um, Chow Young Fat, I think is one, but he's like, because Chow Young Fat's very handsome, <laughs> like he's a movie yeah, he, star. Okay. But like, I think they uglied him up, like they like blackened his oh. teeth and like, he's just yeah. not, he did not look handsome. That's probably what pirates actually look. It's probably <laughs> that nobody was very pretty. Having <laughs> no access to any sort of hygiene. Yeah. I mean, like pirates yeah. discovered scurvy. That was that we discovered scurvy because pirates. It was a hard so, life. So, but I just wonder, yeah. like, it's it, it it's interesting that those two stories are very different. Like one, oh, that was his yeah. lover. Oh, that was his adopted son. You're That's like, oh, I, I like, hope it's not both. <laughs> That's why I'm like, I'm just going to tell you. But we'll see. There's, there's more that'll little little consider Either one's really interesting though i have to say yeah 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 um so so the pirate fleet had grown under zheng yi's final year in charge before he died um and his widow continued the trend so the six fleets combined 
numbered around 800 large ships by 1807. So, and also a a lot of these ships were called junks, which was like Mm. a junk ship was not a bad ship. I thought it was like, oh, those are bad ships. But no, I guess they could carry a lot of cargo and they could carry cannons and they could go into shallow waters for sneak attacks. So. Oh, sucky, sucky now. That's old school. Um, Sneak attack. Sneak attack. (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't help myself. No, get it, girl. Uh, don't let me stop you. Um, the number of pirates grew correspondingly, and her confederation may have numbered over 70,000 men. Damn. So, I will That's say, what I'm talking about. Like, she's a badass, but she, I mean, she's a badass bitch, and she, I mean, I'm pretty sure she, like, robbed and murdered people. Um, I mean, pirates. You know. You know yeah. So uh, for three years after, like, she became head, she beat out everyone. She caused terror along the coast of southern China. Thousands of civilians were robbed, murdered, and sold into slavery. So, you know, it's pirates. not great. Pirates. Well, that's pirates. I wrote, I would say she's more like Darth Vader than Luke Skywalker, you know, when deciding how to view her. You know what I'm saying? Listen, like, it's hard. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? <laughs> it's hard defender. being in charge. No, I'm just. <laughs> I know. Uh, Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I'm not surprised, though, because I women are better at all things than men are. I'm just, I no, mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> obviously. Duh. <laughs> uh, I mean, women have, ooh, periods. They bleed. Yeah, and bleeding. They give life and, and produce children and. Well, that's disgusting. And put up with all <laughs> kinds of things. Like, so of course they can lead a bunch of men into rape and pillage and murder. Of course they can. Like in their right. sleep, they can. Like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, more interesting. I'm more interested in how she was able to uh, continue to. Because also, I think is it like, you know, you hear about like Blackbeard and like, because it's like who's to know if the legends about Blackbeard were really true or right. if they were all like spread, like it's propaganda. So people are afraid of him. Like, I, that's what yeah. I'm more interested in. Cause they're, they're, t- they tend to, to try a woman more to like test that. So the fact that they were all afraid of her and they still followed her, I'm very curious to learn about her tactics. <laughs> I mean, so, at the, so I'm actually like, so this is what I read. So, uh, they took on small, they they were such badass. So they could even take on small naval fleets of the European powers. So, which is, I mean, so, okay. So one member of the British Royal Navy, I'm going to quote him. He made a remark after his two of his boats tried to unsuccessfully warn off the pirates. The British Royal Navy, let's be clear. They have a lot of power. So he says about 60 or 70 sail of Ladrones passed. I don't know what that means exactly, but, you know, boats in the most impudent manner within range of the guns determined to punish the presumption of these pirates. The frigate opened a smart fire on them, which was received by the drones boats with the utmost coolness and indifference and without even returning a shot. Like they were just like, yeah, you can't catch us. You're going to do nothing. Um, So the. And if they were smart enough to surrender without a fight, they were usually left alone and the, the, they would just lose their cargo. Um, and if they did put up a fight, they faced torture or execution. So, I mean, right. 
a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do. <laughs> pirates got to do what a pirate's got to do. Pirates got to do what a pirate's got to do. Isn't that, doesn't that feel like a song from the 50s? It does. I don't think it is, though. I get it from Rugrats. The baby's got to do what a baby's got to oh, do. That's, that's, that's pretty cute, I gotta yeah, say. Rugrats. Um, so, <laughs> so European mariners did a little bit better because they could be ransomed. Because white oh. white men, you know, they go for a lot, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you want to do with that white man, but okay. Um, so many were kept in cramped and filthy conditions for months. And we have, there's a sailor, Richard Glasspool, fourth officer on the captured Marquis of Ely. I, I don't know. Is that France, maybe? I don't know. That feels French. Sounds French. Doesn't it though? But I said his I name like, like British. French. French. That's <laughs> like my friend that a hundred years ago we backpacked through Italy and she just kept saying Italian, like in Italy. And I was like, girl, <laughs> please. I just beg what you. Is she, to she born in 1954? Italian. Italians. <laughs> like she must have. She looked really good though because she pretended to be 23. And I was like, they're just, they already know we're American. It's just, it's a little worse when you say Italians. Italian. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. Uh, uh, he, okay. So he, we have, uh, he was kept in a rat-infested hold um, on one of her pirate ships for four months. Uh, he ate caterpillars and rice to survive. Um, he describes the operation of the pirates. So he says, the Chinese captured, the uh, were given... So if you were captured and you were Chinese, you were given the choice of joining the pirates or being flogged to death, which is maybe how they grew oh. their, you know, their fleet so, so big. Because um, I would I choose join, piracy. Yeah, I, yeah, I would I, I would love to be. Call where's me my eye patch? <laughs> like, where's my. I be ready. Is this what we sound like? Is that, yeah, is that right? I, the, I, listen, mm-hmm. I, I'm a scaredy cat. Uh, mm-hmm, me too. What do I sign? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be any good to you, but like, nope. totally. Do you want me to like organize your books? I could do I that. Because yeah. flogging doesn't sound pleasant no, at all. No, thank you. No, I would. I say no to that. Um, yes. So the European mariners were forced to assist in attacks on villages. Um, oh, gross. Where the pirates collected the heads of their victims tying pairs together using the pigtails and wearing them around their necks as gruesome trophies. Yeah. It's so gross. Part of me yeah. is like, is this real or is it like... I don't know. Advertising. I mean... Because right? it seems like a lot of work. Like, you just want the money, the booty. Right? Give me the That's booty. Like, like, to make that happen, to make that necklace, like, there's a lot of work involved. I know. You know? Um... So he he this guy Glasspool his gunnery skills meant that he was used by her to operate the cannons, and the Englishmen seemed to have become a favorite of her, as believing it would ward off any chance of injury. She said to have sprinkled garlic water over him before each battle. So like while he was super captive and eating horrible things to survive, um, you know they also 
I who knows if any of this is real, right? <laughs> right. But also um, the caterpillar, I'm thinking that feels was right. it prepared or is he just are they like crawling around and he just grabs them and eat them? Like, but if there's rice involved, because you got to cook rice. So I mean, maybe it was like in the rice because like if you cook rice and then leave it for a long time, like in barrels that are not airtight, things will get into that rice. But he's eating the rice, so I'm assuming he's eating cooked rice. So, oh, I see what you're saying. Like, so you know they scoop saying? it out of the barrel and yeah, then cook probably. it. Oh, okay, which so is like protein. Whatever. It's protein. Yeah, I mean, I, he lives to talk about it. Caterpillar sounds like it's a delicacy somewhere. I feel like. It is. I think. Okay. I listen. I saw like a food show about it. I'm not going to pretend I remember where it is. It's somewhere else. I know that it's not here, but yeah. maybe it will be here because it's so, a good form of protein. So he's saying that to the English who are like, oh, my God, caterpillar, this sounds terrible. But probably from another culture, they're like, that sounds like a decent meal. I'm going to go that Glasspool did not appreciate it. No. Okay. I'm going to go yes. with that. Yeah. Uh, with a name like Glasspool, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, so, so she stayed in the Canton area, which was a major trade hub of that coast. And... Uh, so this is a fun, good time. In July 1808 and July 1809, she twice obliterated the Chinese naval fleets guarding the River Delta between Portuguese Macau and Canton. The first battle took 16 hours and the Chinese admiral committed suicide after they lost. Wow. Yeah. So the second attack required more imagination since both fleets were becalmed. Okay, I learned a word. I'm going to share it. Becalmed means unable to move for lack of wind. I, oh. It makes sense, right? Because yeah. I'm reading this like, oh, because I don't know. I don't know what that means. That's fine. I learned. I grew. Um, so, <laughs> so she ordered her men to swim in that ocean that you were thinking about a few minutes ago, Lavetta, mm -mm. mm -mm. to the ships, board mm -mm. them, and they did it. Um, the coastal towns were then torched and their heads were hung in a large tree on the coast as a warning to others. Okay. What? Okay. Now right. that sounds like that sounds, that makes sense because it's like beware, right? Yeah. I mean, like, but around your neck, that sounds, that sounds that's heavy. Mm, right. Like it would hurt like your shoulders, like you need a massage. Yeah. You know, like from wearing it for too long, you'd be like, oh, is a chiropractor around here somewhere? Okay. Sorry. I lost focus. Okay. <laughs> so part of the her second. success okay. was her management skills. Now, when I first read this, one of the, one of the rules, there are rules that they had for the entire fleet. Um, which was a slightly different approach from her her husband who had passed, her late husband. So, so one of the rules was no abuse of women, captured or otherwise, is permitted without permission from the quartermaster. Which is great because that's not that's not usually the story we are told about a pirate. Right. Um, so, uh, however, a pirate may buy a captured woman for his wife. For $40 um, if she but, wasn't going to be held as ransom. Question. Yeah. What's your who question, Lavetta? Who are they paying That's a good the $40 question. to? I'm going to guess her. I'm going to guess. 
Oh, okay. Because yeah. she's because the captives are property of yeah the yeah. pirate federation. Yeah. Her. I feel like okay. it's not the families. I'm not okay. I'm not getting that. I'm not getting that vibe. Hey, tell me I'm wrong. Um, but Wikipedia was like, that's not actually true. This wasn't her rule. This was her uh stepson. Uh. Yeah. Oh. Late the Cheng Pao's rule that he did that. She 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 continued it, but it was not her idea. Um Her stepson or her husband? We'll get to that. Let's just okay. call him her stepson right now. Okay. Um so also a pirate can't go ashore without permission. Uh the first punishment for that is to have your ears slit. The second punishment was death. Um captured goods are to be registered before shared out. An individual ship that captures a cargo may keep one-fifth. The rest is to be added to the general prize fund of the whole fleet. And townsfolk must be paid for their provisions. Cute, right? That was not really applied, though. <laughs> like, they really didn't get their money, as far as I could. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, let's see. Okay. And then there was, like, there's more punishments, like the punishment for, like, stealing from the common treasure was like death by beheading. They were not playing. I just love um, how like going ashore by yourself is you slit your ears and then the second offense is death. <laughs> like, I mean, no, they like, just re- really, you can't like cut off my arm or something first. Like it's like death. Wow. Um, okay. But if you raped a female captive, you would also die. And that I agree with hundred percent. Oh yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, so she eventually kind of became a victim of her own success. It was so piracy was so widespread that and the disruption to regional trade was so great that large cities were struggling to feed their populations. So finally, the Chinese authorities pushed themselves to a greater effort in stamping out the pirates. So she gave up her piracy in style. Okay. Okay. She sailed her entire fleet all flags flying into Canton Harbor, marched up to the authorities and demanded a pardon on April 18th, 1810. She gained her pardon with favorable terms so the pirates could keep their plunder, but had to give up most of their ships and weapons. Uh, Cheng Pao also did as well, but he was also permitted to keep 20 of his junk ships and was made a naval Mandarin. Okay. So many of the pirate crews were just recruited into the Imperial Chinese Navy if they wished, um, but they didn't have to. Uh, They were then tasked, if they did join, to stamp out piracy in the region. Uh, So a lot of them did that. Now, some pirates just continued to be a pirate. They're like, fuck this. I'm a pirate for life, bitches. Peace, peace. Then Zheng Yusao married Cheng Pao. That's why we were like her husband or her son. And I was like, well, because she then married him. They settled in Canton before moving to Fukien and they had a son together. Um, she eventually returned to Canton and spent the rest of her career managing a large and successful smuggling racket fronted by a gambling house. That, like, well done. She knows. She's like, she I can't go completely straight. <laughs> that just didn't feel right. Um, <laughs> she died at the age of 69 in 1844. Uh, she actually inspired many fictional female pirates. It's funny you mentioned uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean. Of the Carib- 
because there's the character of Mistress Ching uh, is, I think, inspired by her. That's that's what Wikipedia tells me. And I mean, she died almost at 70. That's an old age for a pirate. I just can't. Like, she listen, retired out of the game. Did she what? ever see a doctor? You know what I'm saying? I know. Like, like, and on those ships for all those years? See, because, you know, at first when you hear like, oh, they surrendered. But I would imagine being on that ship uh, on water constantly can get to you after a while. Even yeah. even if you love the, the wildlife and the free life and the ocean. But like, yeah, it's like time to go legit. But no quite mm. legit enough we gotta have a little something something on the side mm-hmm. yep. uh, and can you say her name again honestly i don't know so i'm gonna try okay her name is zheng yi sao zheng yi sao yeah like you could you look up how to spell it on on a little podcast it'll tell you right and then you could be like, listen, girl, that is not how you say that. And I will be like, I am so sorry. Yeah. If, any, if we have any um, native or any Chinese speakers, Cantonese or Mandarin, I don't know which one it would be. Please correct us because we'd love to know how to pronounce her name correctly. We would. You know? We would. Also, I was th- just thinking about this. She started off, she probably was forced into prostitution by either oh, life, yeah. circumstance or some other person. But then became head of a pirate. <laughs> like, Listen, I know like she fleet. committed like lots of murder and things and pillaging, but she started out life probably out with zero control of her whole life, including her body. And then she just like whipped it around. It was like, okay, bitch, let's play. And, and then she, retired and, on her own terms at 69. And, and like, oh no, she was younger when she retired. No, I mean, but died at like 69, but like she got out of the game. Yeah. (laughs) And like did really well and like kept her money. And then like, I'm going to get married, have a kid. That's the thing. She kept her money. Yeah. And then got married to either her her brother. I don't know. I don't know. It's fine. Not blood brother, but either her adopted brother Mm -hmm. or. Or stepson. It would be a or stepson step, yeah. or like, yeah, like, yeah, I fine. wonder, though, if they were closer in age than her and her husband. It's, I was thinking that. I, that I bet yeah. you I bet you that that was yeah. really the situation. Wow. Thank you so much for that. That yeah, was welcome. wow. Man, we had two amazing ladies again. Uh, our ladies were notorious. Well, the pirate lady is it's. Is still well, she killed a lot of people. So, <laughs> whereas Viola was like trying to like just give black women nice hairstyles, yeah, so right? look pretty. She's amazing. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for sharing that, and I guess that wraps it up for another episode of Notorious Women. Uh, guys, follow us on all the things. I will let yes. Miriam take over to let you know where you can follow us. But I do know this: what you can do while she's mm-hmm. uh, preparing that is to share us. Tell. All your friends, your family, your loved ones, maybe people you hate. Uh, yeah, maybe that's you want to be passive aggressive <laughs> and you have a trifling friend or friend of me mm. that you want to mm-hmm. be like, this you bitch. Uh, <laughs> and you want to uh, break her into have her listen to it or him or or they because on this podcast we are inclusive. So mm-hmm. whatever pronouns you go by, that is what we will, will respect. 
uh, because yep. we're human beings with compassion and not douchebags uh, who have yeah. hateful hearts. I didn't uh, realize that that was such a precious commodity these days, but a little, it's a little bit. It is. So we're yeah, here so for you, though. Whatever pronouns you want to go by um, and whoever you want to send this podcast to, click the link. Uh, I would say copy and paste the link and send it to your friend. Uh, mm-hmm. or loved one, uh, because people forget things. They're like, what is that? If they're like my family, who's loud and Southern, uh, we love to, Southern people love to make up words, uh, for <laughs> things that don't exist. So to oh. be like the notorious, the, the, the notorious, the, the, what do people, what, what, what the people name is? <laughs> that is how we do it in the South. So okay. to make, to clear up any confusion, Copy the link, send it to your friend, loved one, and share our show. Download and subscribe. And also, like Apple Podcast, for- if you want to like click exactly. the five stars, like click the five stars. And then if you want to click like write a review, you could say like, you could say how pretty we are. Yep, and smart. Oh yeah, that too. And um, creative and interesting, fascinating. Fascinating. I like fascinating. I, I, I do want, too. I love fascinating. I want someone to call me fascinating. Miriam. What? You're fascinating. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Where can our listeners find us? Okay, I got it. I'm ready. So you can check us out on Instagram. It is Notorious Women Podcast. Please check us out. Listen, we need your help. We have some men who are not so nice who are making some comments. So come on down. Check us out. Also, I, I mean, I think it's kind of funny. Not not what the men are saying about things. You know. It's funny like, how triggered they get over the smallest thing. And it is. Listen, check out our Instagram. It is the smallest thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Um, but we are also at Gmail. So NotoriousWMPod at gmail.com. Send us a message. Send us women you think might be interesting that are that may be not on our radar. We'd love that. Um, yeah. Or any comments or pronunciations you can share. Yes. Uh, and that and is, that yeah, is we it. Will, we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.